Welcome to the Journey to Manifesting podcast. My name is Sarah Prout. I'm a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and creative entrepreneur. I live in Las Vegas with my husband and four children. As an emotional empowerment expert, I am truly devoted to helping you create the life of your wildest dreams through the power of mindset, meaning, and manifestation. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is episode number 126 and today I'm going to be talking about a very personal and private journey that happened over a little over a year ago now. It was on the 25th of June 2019 where I had my tummy tuck procedure and many of you that have been following on for a while now know that it was quite a journey to get to the space where I was ready. So I wanted to reflect today on the healing journey because it does take about a year. Um, And if I am truly transparent about it, it still hasn't fully healed in the way that I would like it to. So today I wanted to dive in and share some of the personal development aspects to this journey, which has been radically different to what I thought it would be. In fact, Um, Some of the things that happened along the way, I decided to keep private uh, until now. So I'm willing to share. um, This episode was sparked because I shared a post over on Instagram to celebrate the one year anniversary, even though I got the date wrong. I shared it on the 23rd when it was actually the 25th of June 2019 when I had the operation. And the post went a little something like this. It said, today is the one year anniversary of having my tummy tuck. It was one of the best and most empowered decisions I have ever made. The journey of getting used to this new flat tummy was tough physically and emotionally, but it was totally worth it. Also, I'm a pretty private person when it comes to sharing photos of my body, so this post is kind of a big deal. Um, So, for those of you that are not following me on Instagram, go over to at Sarah Prout and check out the photo that I posted. You'll be able to see it. It's the one with me holding my shirt up and showing my belly. Um, but for those of you that are new to the show or new to my work, welcome. I love you for being here. Thank you so much. It's great to connect. And for those of you that have been around for a little while, you may have missed how I got to this specific decision of having such an intense surgery because having an abdominoplasty, which is the procedure, or a tummy tuck as it's known, is quite a dangerous and risky procedure. It's one of the the biggest operations that requires the most amount of healing time. Uh, I think the only other one is a Brazilian butt lift, which doesn't really interest me, but if that's you, no judgment. (laughs) Um, So, To give you a little bit of an insight as to how I got to the decision, um, and and I don't even know whether I've mentioned this publicly or not, I'm writing about it in my upcoming book. So this is fresh on my mind because I'm sharing details of the journey that I haven't been willing to share publicly. So it was probably late May 2019 um, that I was in a really good space with my stomach. So I'm getting muddled here because I'm nervous to you know, just spill the beans. But I had a stomach that was 
um, I had a, a muscle separation. It's called diastasis recti, where the core muscles of your abdomen are separated. And this usually happens with extreme weight gain and then weight loss or pregnancies. And I had this happen to me when I was 21 years old. Um, when I had my son Thomas, I was extremely underweight when I first got pregnant. And then I gained a lot of weight really quickly because I was, in all transparency, I was afraid of losing the baby because I'd lost my first pregnancy at 16 weeks. So I hadn't really processed the grief of the miscarriage. And so I was eating my feelings. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever, oh, actually I have. I wrote about this in Dear Universe when I when I talked about how I would wake up in the morning and eat a whole bunch of ice cream and chips and chocolate and just stuff down my emotions because A, I was very immature and B, I didn't have the emotional faculties to really process the grief in a healthy, functional way. And so what that meant was that gaining a whole bunch of weight really quickly separated my stomach muscles. My hips hadn't even really spread properly yet. Um, I was only 21, a bit of a late bloomer. And so I had a little bit of difficulty when it came to growing this human. <laughs> and it became apparent to me that my stomach muscles had separated when I was still in the hospital after I gave birth to Thomas. Now, keep in mind, he's nearly 19 years old. So this was a long time ago. And during my hospital stay, there was a free physiotherapy session that was offered. And I went in there and this woman was using the women as examples of what to look out for. So she said, hey, this is, let's just say Stacy, and Stacy's stomach's amazing. It'll shrink back to normal, whatever the hell that is, in no time. And, uh, you know, she'll be back on the beach and in a bikini. And let's look at Sarah's. You can clearly see here that Sarah has had an abdominal separation and no amount of exercise will ever get rid of this. There it was, the limiting belief that, I wasn't good enough and I was being pointed out in a shameful way. And I really took this to heart. I hid this wrinkly stomach that was like a crumpled paper bag for so many years. And after my second daughter, I had the same problem. Um, and after my subsequent two other daughters, I had like this bag of skin that was hanging over my pants and I had to tuck it in. And it just didn't fit with the rest of my body. And I became very self-conscious of this, uh, especially when I started speaking on stages because I wanted the core of my physiology to be strong enough to stand up with conviction to communicate effectively to an audience. And then I made peace with my stomach. In fact, I posted a photo back in, I think it was earlier in 2019, maybe around February of my stomach, the way that it used to be saying, you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm at peace. There's this beautiful movement of body positivity over on Instagram. I'm going to share a photo of my stomach and totally accept it. And I did. But here's the thing as well. I had back problems. I had um, my clothes didn't fit me properly in the way that I wanted them to. And the universe, the way that the universe quite often works is that it um, gives you opportunities and signs that perhaps it's time to change course. Um, and before I forget, I just want to rewind back to probably around 2011. Actually, no, hang on. Let me just reach for my diary. So when I was 26 years old, uh, I was done having children. I'd had Thomas when I was 21 and Olivia when I was 26. And so I had heard, um, back then I didn't have enough money, so I'd heard on the grapevine that the government 
can pay for a tummy tuck, and this is in Australia, <laughs> I don't think this would happen in, in the United States, but the government would pay for an elective tummy tuck if there were uh, if there was a medical reason why it was necessary. So I remember booking the appointment and in my diary here, it says that on the 23rd of October, 2007, I wrote this entry. I wrote, tomorrow I am going to the hospital on a quest to fix and beautify my tummy situation. I feel so excited about getting it fixed. The feeling of relief and joy is wonderful when I focus on the end result. It will happen, and I underlined will. I trust that God will take care of the arrangements. I have a little cold right now, but I feel so happy. A new chapter is about to begin. Watch this space. Kiss, kiss, kiss. I, I feel like reading that back at 27 years old, I, I feel very naive. Um, and so I went on this public elective surgery list, and it wasn't until 2011. Now, keep in mind, I wrote that in 2007 that I had the consultation. It wasn't until 2007 that I got a call to say that I had been approved. So that that's a few years. And in that time, I had left my first marriage and uh, started my relationship with Sean. And we were starting our lives together. And in that time, I'd moved to Queensland in Australia, to Noosa. And then I moved back to Melbourne, uh, which was very serendipitous to, um, to think that I had to go back and have a secondary appointment to see whether I was still a candidate. And in that time, I went to the doctor and the doctor was really straight up with me. He said, you know what, Sarah, your body is actually pretty good. It's not as bad as it was when uh, you came in here for the first assessment. And I really don't think that you would be that happy with the scar. It's a very tough recovery. You've got two kids to look after and you may want to keep the option open of having more kids. And so I really sat with it. I had this opportunity to get this operation that I had placed so much importance on and I chose not to. I made peace with what is with my stomach and I chose not to. And I felt good about it and I felt like I was open to all possibilities and I really shut down on that even being an option. And then of course I went on to have um, so many multiple pregnancies and five miscarriages in a row and then having Lulu and gaining a whole bunch of weight and then having Ava the next year and gaining a whole bunch of weight and then losing it. And then my stomach after three C-sections was worse than ever. And I still had moments of total surrender and empowerment and acceptance, but it was still something that I hid, still something that I wanted to pretend wasn't there. And, you know, I'd, I after even having a million dollar business, I had the money in the bank to go and make the decision, but I still didn't feel like I was worthy enough to make that decision for myself. And oddly enough, I got contacted and approached by the producer of a reality show TV, a uh, reality TV show. I don't know why I just got that mixed up. I got approached by the producer of a TV show that was all about radical transformations. And what they would do is they would pay for my operation here in America. I think it was in Florida, actually, where they'd follow the journey of a whole bunch of different influences through this radical transformation and what it would mean. And I really tried on that concept. I'd shut down the option of it ever happening. And yet it was coming to my doorstep again for free, right? That's, it was unheard of. It was such a manifestation. And then I thought of the implications. Would I really want the world seeing me um, you know, having a catheter bag that needed to be emptied or not being able to um, see what it was like 
you know, those medical shows like Botched and those other ones where you're unconscious on an operating table. I, I just didn't want to do that. So I politely declined. But the thought and the idea was seated in my mind that what if it was open again after all of these years? And so I thought about it. I thought about what it would feel like to shut down this brainware of, oh my gosh, what if I had a flat stomach? What if I could wear a bikini again? And what if I didn't even have to think about this again? And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, after tummy tuck, you're going to have absolute perfection. Uh, just a spoiler here, you don't. There's still a whole bunch of other stuff you have to accept in the process of this intense operation. So I've spoken about this concept before that when you make a decision, a firm decision with conviction, the universe responds accordingly to usually support you through the, the bravery that's required to do it. Um, the universe helped support me when I made that final decision to leave my first marriage. And the universe supported me when I finally made the decision that I would want to at least explore the option of having a tummy tuck. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't justify spending that much money just on myself. I'm not one of those people that can do that that easily. And so I thought, okay, universe, if this is meant, send me the money. And I kid you not, within the space for a span of about a month, I manifested two very lucrative, high-paying speaking gigs um, that could pay for the procedure several times over. Uh, so I, I took that money to go, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so I booked a consultation appointment with the um, plastic surgeon here in Las Vegas and I made the decision. It was early June and I said, well, what's the soonest you can do this because I have speaking gigs and I understand there's going to have to be some downtime, right? And the doctor said it'd be, um, it could happen within three weeks if I made the down payment. So I did all of the research required. I loved my plastic surgeon, Dr. Roth of Las Vegas Plastic Surgery. And uh, they had an availability for me within the next three weeks. So I made the payment and I started to mentally prepare for saying goodbye to my stomach, an area of my body that held so much trauma, uh, so much, I don't even know what it was. It was, it just felt like I needed to declutter my body, if that makes sense. And I, I could have done that. And I did do that many times in many, many, many different ways over the years. But this to me felt like a new and fresh start. I wanted this. I wanted it for myself. And because I turned 40 last year, I thought, you know what? This is a gift for me just to close down that brainware. And I knew it wasn't going to be an easy journey. Um, and I also was so fortunate to have the blessing and the support of my husband because he would ultimately have to help look after the babies. Uh, and this was when we had a nanny last year as well. So it was a little bit easier because after I had the operation, I had to sleep in a chair for three months. The healing journey was not like I thought it would be. I thought it'd be two weeks. I wouldn't be able to move around in six weeks just after a C-section, the same kind of situation, I could start picking up my kids again. But sure enough, I couldn't. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But saying goodbye to my stomach and really starting to talk myself into being ready was a huge mental preparation. I had no idea the feelings that would come up. And then on the morning that I went to the surgery center and I knew I was saying goodbye, there's actually a um, episode of this podcast where I wrote a letter saying goodbye to my wrinkly stomach. But I was 
really happy that I chose this path from a space of empowerment. I had tried on all of the different perspectives. I had tried on the, well, what if I didn't have it done? Or uh, how would I feel in 10 years from now if I was still making peace with my stomach? And as you can hear from even talking about this, I spent way too much time thinking about this rather than just dealing with it and moving on. And um, the purpose of this episode is that if you are considering a surgery like this, that you need to remember that it's not the same for everyone. Your journey will be unique. Just because I had this experience doesn't mean it will be your experience. Just because I needed this surgery or I felt like I needed this surgery doesn't mean that you do too. I am not an advocate for modeling any kind of pedestal behavior. Just because somebody um, talks about this kind of stuff to a whole bunch of people doesn't mean you should go and do it too. This is your invitation to tune in to see what you really would like for yourself because you're the only one that can make that decision. And I'm a person, I have and hold no judgment. So if you're a person that wants to go and get Botox or fillers or a boob job or whatever it is, that's totally on you. Whatever makes you feel as if you need it, that's perfectly fine. And, and for me, just a little side detour here, I'm not a Botox person whatsoever. I had that done many years ago, well, in 2013, I guess it was seven years ago, and I didn't like the feelings. So I haven't gone there or gone back to that yet. <laughs> um, but to get back to the the story of the tummy tuck, um, I remember lying on the bed before I was going into the operating theater and they gave me all my pre-meds and took my blood pressure and I was marked up with the Sharpie. I can't look at a Sharpie in the same way again <laughs> because my doctor like marked up all of the places where the flesh would be removed from my body. And I remember saying goodbye and feeling this sense of, yeah, this is this is cool. I'm, I'm so proud of myself for making this decision because I felt like I needed to be brave. And then when I woke up, I was so drugged. <laughs> I don't even really remember getting home. Uh, but I do remember that the first couple of days were really, they were really rough. Like I had to be on heavy pain meds and Sean, my amazing husband, was emptying my drains. I mean, this is grisly business. <laughs> it was disgusting. And I felt like I had been hit by a bus. I had this um, walker frame, you know, that's usually used for really old people. Um, and I had that. And it took me, I was sleeping in my office and it was usually like a 10 second walk to the stairs. And it took me 10 minutes to walk to the stairs. And I just had to keep my body moving. And it was such an incredible journey of mindfulness to remember that because I'm impatient and I want my body to heal overnight doesn't mean that it will. And another aspect that was extremely confronting was how addicted I am to my work because I love my work. I love writing. I love speaking on a stage. Not that much of that's happening right now with the 2020 pandemic. Um, but I had to switch gears and I had to learn how to be taken care of, which was radically something so far out of my scope of acceptance because I had spent 40 years of my life taking care of other people, well, not 40 years, um, maybe 20, <laughs> but it had still been a considerable amount of time that I had been taking care of others. And this was really confusing for my kids too, to see me just, you know, in a chair for months or a month and to sleep in the chair and to not be able to pick up my babies. That was really, that was the toughest part of it. The fact that I couldn't cuddle and pick up my babies when they were, you know, crying or it was just, it was tough. I couldn't drive. 
Uh, I couldn't work. I couldn't keep my thoughts clear in my head. And I had to keep in mind that, so keep this in mind that my procedure was on the 25th of June and I had to be on stage in New Jersey in August. So I gave myself that time frame to really heal and to prepare to be my best self. So I was really watching my diet and making sure that I was eating a lot of great foods and drinking enough water. And I mean, in August, it was going to be one of the biggest professional highlights of my career because I was going to be speaking on stage uh, alongside people like Tony Robbins and Pitbull and Suze Orman and Trent Shelton. It was this um, what was it? it was the real estate wealth expo where there were so many thousands of people that were going to be there. And I didn't realize how much healing I had to do between the time I had my operation and standing on that stage. And so the weeks passed and I was still in pain. I was still healing. Um, and I was wearing this support garment that, you know, I'm so happy I don't have to wear that anymore because it was so itchy. Um, and with my procedure, I had opted to have liposuction as well on my flanks. I don't even know where that is on my body, but I got it done. Uh, so it kind of sculpts a bit more of a waist. And I was so badly bruised. It was not attractive and it was very painful. And um, so I had to watch myself go from being so badly bruised and all stitched up to day by day getting a bit better. And I think it was around the two-week mark that I got my drains out and that was awesome. Maybe I don't even remember now. Maybe it wasn't two weeks. Maybe it was earlier. But once I got my drains out, I felt like I could start healing more efficiently. And I started getting better and I started using this surgical tape that my mother-in-law sent me. And that was okay, but it started irritating me and I started scratching. And this is where it gets a little bit squeamish. So if you are a squeamish person, do not listen to the rest, uh, well, the next maybe two minutes of this episode. You can skip forward. Um, what I noticed is that my wound that was healing really nicely began to open up. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this publicly. <laughs> I haven't spoken about it. Um, and I started to panic. So there were three holes on my abdomen. Now, keep in mind, I had to speak on stage in August, mid-August, and my uh, my wound opened up in early August. So I'd done all this great healing. It was incredible. And then I had this one big wound that opened up, uh, one big hole that was probably about as big as a, uh, I want to say a case of AirPods. Do you know how big that is? Or a matchbox. And then there were two other smaller holes that were like uh, nostrils, <laughs> for want of a better analogy. But it looked scary. It looked like my you could shine your iPhone torch in my abdomen and see my pancreas. It was grisly. It looked nightmarish. Um, and I panicked. And all right, here's the grisly bit again. So if you go to this part, this is your second warning. Um, there was a liquid coming out of it that was kind of orangey. So massive risk of infection, massive risk. And it wasn't the surgeon's fault. It was my own body's ability to heal. Now, keep in mind that I had a lot of scar tissue from the C-sections that I'd had and I'm 40 or I was nearly 40. And so our bodies react and respond differently. Um, and there's nothing that you can do to predict this. There were There's probably like less than 4% of tummy tuck cases that go through this. So I don't think it happens to everyone. I was one of the lucky ones. Um, and so I was panicking because I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get on a plane and I've got these holes in my abdomen. So I went to my surgeon 
um, because it looked scary and I was really frightened that I would perhaps get a, a bad infection because I just wanted to go to the emergency room and get sewn up because that's what you want to do, right? If you've got a hole on your body that shouldn't be there, you want to sew it up. But the reality is that when you close infection space or you close wounds like that, infection likes to grow in the spaces. So I called my my surgeon, my amazing surgeon, and keep in mind, he probably deals with, and this is just an assumption, I'm just guessing here, he probably deals with some of the most difficult people that have this unobtainable image and version of perfection in their minds. And yet sometimes things don't go according to plan. And he was amazing. He just said, you know what, you just have to wait it out. And they said, but I've got to be on a stage alongside Tony Robbins in a few weeks. Can I do this? And I had to wear a maternity pad over my wound because it was leaking. <laughs> this wasn't very pleasant, trust me. And I was panicking. But he said, you know what? The show must go on and you have to be prepared to do whatever it takes. You will be okay. It looks scary, but it's not scary. You just have to be patient. You have to grow the flesh back so it can seal the wound. And so I was like frustrated. I just wanted it to happen overnight. And then at the same time, the lesson appeared to me that I had to be patient with it. I had to learn to trust my body and my body was doing everything it could to heal. And so that we, I'm so grateful that it happened in the end because it really taught me that, sure, I've, I've grown four humans in my body. A little bit of skin to cover in three holes is nothing, right? So I went to New Jersey to get on this stage at this incredible event. And um, I went through the airport scanner at New Jersey. Oh, I think it was New York airport, actually. And the scanner detected an anatomical anomaly in my body because I probably had these pockets of um, these holes in my abdomen that you could probably smuggle drugs from, you know, state to state, country to country if you really wanted to. And so I said to them, look, I just had an operation. It's not going so well. My wounds opened up and there's some cavity spaces in my abdomen. Nothing to worry about. Um, and so they they let me go and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> um, but that's the way that the, that particularly that particular cookie crumbled. And so I, I spoke on stage. It was one of the best and most rewarding events and uh, experiences of my life because I got to talk to people. I got to do my thing, which is serving an audience and, and especially in a live capacity. Oh, my God, I can't wait till the world hopefully goes back to normal one day so I can speak on stages again. And um, I went home, still, still healing, still healing, and it took months to close that final hole. Actually, no, no, the final hole it did. But what I did was the more I surrendered, the faster I healed. So the first piece of healing and acceptance that I did overnight, one of the clo one of the holes closed up. It happened almost instantaneously. The doctor said it would take three weeks. It happened within 48 hours. And then the next one closed. And the, the biggest one was really the largest hole. And that took the longest amount of time. But once the... Um, the wound started healing, I started healing. And I still felt very tight in my muscles because I had all of them stitched back together. And then slowly I felt stronger. Day by day I felt stronger. Until now it just feels completely normal. So that brings me to where I am today, a year down the track from having this life-changing procedure where I had a new belly button and, you know, a scar from my hip bone to my hip bone. Um, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the experience. 
I wouldn't change the long, hard, sleepless, painful nights of not being able to get comfortable and the itching and even the wounds opening up because it was all worth it. And I don't mean it in the capacity of it was worth it because I have a flat stomach. It was worth it because of the journey and what I learned along the way. Because ultimately, you still have to get to a point of acceptance because I have this scar. I still have stretch marks. You can't get rid of those. It's still much better than it was. And I feel strong in my core now. So I really did facilitate that vision and that intention that I had all of those years ago. And so if you are thinking of having this done, or if you were thinking of any kind of modification, make sure you get to your your heart space, that you're really tuned into what you really want. Because I have to accept my stomach now, just as I did before it was changed. Yes, it's better. Yes, it's flatter. Yes, it's stronger. But I still have to accept it. There are moments where I look at my stomach and I go, oh, you know, that scar, it's gross. But I'm back at square one and I, I'm human. So I will k- keep having those moments and remembering that I have a choice how to guide the energy and the messages that I send myself and my body. This is where we show up with compassion. This is how we show up with love and this understanding of total acceptance and how the healing happens in the moment that you decide to accept where you are at right now in this moment. And another aspect that was extremely confronting was how addicted I am to my work because I love my work. I love writing. I love speaking on a stage. Not that much of that's happening right now with the 2020 pandemic. Um, But I had to switch gears and I had to learn how to be taken care of, which was radically something so far out of my scope of acceptance because I had spent 40 years of my life taking care of other people, well, not 40 years, um, maybe 20, <laughs> but it has still been a considerable amount of time that I had been taking care of others. And this was really confusing for my kids too, to see me just, you know, in a chair for months or a month and to sleep in the chair and to not be able to pick up my babies. That was really, that was the toughest part of it. The fact that I couldn't cuddle and pick up my babies when they were, you know, crying or it was just, it was tough. I couldn't drive. Uh, I couldn't work. I couldn't keep my thoughts clear in my head. And I had to keep in mind that, so keep this in mind that my procedure was on the 25th of June and I had to be on stage in New Jersey in August. So I gave myself that time frame to really heal and to prepare to be my best self. So I was really watching my diet and making sure that I was eating a lot of great foods and drinking enough water. And I mean, In August, it was going to be one of the biggest professional highlights of my career because I was going to be speaking on stage uh, alongside people like Tony Robbins and Pitbull and Suze Orman and Trent Shelton. It was this, um, it was the Real Estate Wealth Expo where there were so many thousands of people that were going to be there. And I didn't realize how much healing I had to do between the time I had my operation and standing on that stage. And so the weeks passed and I was still in pain. I was still healing. Um, And I was wearing this support garment that, you know, I'm so happy I don't have to wear that anymore because it was so itchy. Um, And with my procedure, I had opted to have liposuction as well on my flanks. I don't even know where that is on my body, but I got it done. Uh, So it kind of sculpts a bit more of a waist. And I was so badly bruised. It was not attractive and it was very painful and 
Um, so I had to watch myself go from being so badly bruised and all stitched up to day by day getting a bit better. And I think it was around the two week mark that I got my drains out and that was awesome. Maybe I don't even remember now. Maybe it wasn't two weeks. Maybe it was earlier. But once I got my drains out, I felt like I could start healing more efficiently. And I started getting better and I started using this surgical tape that my mother-in-law sent me. And that was okay, but it started irritating me and I started scratching. And this is where it gets a little bit squeamish. So if you are a squeamish person, do not listen to the rest of, well, the next maybe two minutes of this episode. You can skip forward. Um, What I noticed is that my wound that was healing really nicely began to open up. I can't believe I'm talking about this publicly. (laughs) I haven't spoken about it. Um, And I started to panic. So there were three holes on my abdomen. Now, keep in mind, I had to speak on stage in August, mid-August, and my, uh, my wound opened up in early August. So I'd done all this great healing. It was incredible. And then I had this one big wound that opened up, uh, one big hole that was probably about as big as a, uh, I want to say a case of AirPods. Do you know how big that is? Or a matchbox. And then there were two other smaller holes that were like uh, nostrils, (laughs) for want of a better analogy. But it looked scary. It looked like my, you could shine your iPhone torch in my abdomen and see my pancreas. It was grisly. It looked nightmarish. Um, and I panicked. And all right, here's the grisly bit again. So if you go to this part, this is your second warning. Um, there was a liquid coming out of it that was kind of orangey. So massive risk of infection, massive risk. And it wasn't the surgeon's fault. It was my own body's ability to heal. Now, keep in mind that I had a lot of scar tissue from the C-sections that I'd had, and I'm 40, or I was nearly 40, and so our bodies react and respond differently. Um, and there's nothing that you can do to predict this. There were There's probably like less than 4% of tummy tuck cases that go through this. So I don't think it happens to everyone. I was one of the lucky ones. Um, and so I was panicking because I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get on a plane and I've got these holes in my abdomen. So I went to my surgeon um, because it, it looked scary and I was really frightened that I would perhaps get a a bad infection because I just wanted to go to the emergency room and get sewn up because that's what you want to do, right? If you've got a hole on your body that shouldn't be there, you want to sew it up. But the reality is that when you close infection space or you close wounds like that, infection likes to grow in the spaces. So I called my, my surgeon, my amazing surgeon, and keep in mind, he probably deals with, and this is just an assumption, I'm just guessing here, he probably deals with some of the most difficult people that have this unobtainable image and version of perfection in their minds. And yet sometimes things don't go according to plan. And he was amazing. He just said, you know what, you just have to wait it out. And they said, but I've got to be on a stage alongside Tony Robbins in a few weeks. Can I do this? And I had to wear a maternity pad over my wound because it was leaking. (laughs) this wasn't very pleasant, trust me. And I was panicking, but he said, you know what? The show must go on and you have to be prepared to do whatever it takes. You will be okay. It looks scary, but it's not scary. You just have to be patient. You have to grow the flesh back so it can seal the wound. And so I was like 
frustrated. I just wanted it to happen overnight. And then at the same time, the lesson appeared to me that I had to be patient with it. I had to learn to trust my body and my body was doing everything it could to heal. And so that we, I'm so grateful that it happened in the end because it really taught me that, sure, I've, I've grown four humans in my body. A little bit of skin to cover in three holes is nothing, right? So I went to New Jersey to get on this stage at this incredible event and um, I went through the airport scanner at New Jersey. Oh, I think it was New York airport actually and the scanner detected an anatomical anomaly in my body because I probably had these pockets of um, these holes in my abdomen that you could probably smuggle drugs from, you know, state to state, country to country if you really wanted to. And so I said to them, look, I just had an operation. It's not going so well. My wounds opened up and there's some cavity spaces in my abdomen. Nothing to worry about. Um, and so they they let me go and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> um, but that's the way that the, that particularly that particular cookie crumbled and so I, I spoke on stage it was one of the best and most rewarding events and uh, experiences of my life because I got to talk to people I got to do my thing which is serving an audience and and especially in a live capacity oh my god I can't wait till the world hopefully goes back to normal one day so I can speak on stages again and um, I went home still still healing still healing and it took months to close that final hole. Actually, no, no, the final hole it did. But what I did was the more I surrendered, the faster I healed. So the first piece of healing and acceptance that I did overnight, one of the clo- one of the holes closed up. It ho- happened almost instantaneously. The doctor said it would take three weeks. It happened within 48 hours. And then the next one closed. And the, the biggest one was really the largest hole. And that took the longest amount of time. But once the... Um, the wound started healing, I started healing. And I still felt very tight in my muscles because I had all of them stitched back together. And then slowly I felt stronger. Day by day I felt stronger. Until now it just feels completely normal. So that brings me to where I am today, a year down the track from having this life-changing procedure where I had a new belly button and, you know, a scar from my hip bone to my hip bone. Um, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the experience. I wouldn't change the long, hard, sleepless, painful nights of not being able to get comfortable and the itching and even the wounds opening up because it was all worth it. And I don't mean it in the capacity of it was worth it because I have a flat stomach. It was worth it because of the journey and what I learned along the way. Because ultimately, you still have to get to a point of acceptance because I have this scar. I still have stretch marks. You can't get rid of those. It's still much better than it was and I feel strong in my core now. So I really did facilitate that vision and that intention that I had all of those years ago. And so if you are thinking of having this done or if you are thinking of any kind of modification, make sure you get to your your heart space, that you're really tuned in to what you really want because I have to accept my stomach now just as I did before it was changed. Yes, it's better. Yes, it's flatter. Yes, it's stronger. But I still have to accept it. There are moments where I look at my stomach and I go, oh, you know, that scar, it's gross. But I'm back at square one and I, I'm human. So I will k- keep having those moments and remembering that I have a choice how to guide the energy and the messages that I send myself and my body. 
This is where we show up with compassion. This is how we show up with love and this understanding of total acceptance and how the healing happens in the moment that you decide to accept where you are at right now in this moment. So getting back to my initial anniversary Instagram post, and once again, if you'd like to go and follow me over on Instagram, you can go to at Sarah Prout. I would love to welcome you into my IG community. Um, On that post, there was so many beautiful and supportive comments. And then there was this one, which is supportive, but it's in the spirit of curiosity. So I want to honor it and take this time to answer that question. And this woman, I won't mention her name here, but she wrote, Sarah Prout, I just want to ask an honest question. Shouldn't we, as women, learn to love our bodies as they are? If they've changed as a result of the miracle and privilege of childbirth, shouldn't we accept that and not feel that we need to strive for physical perfection to be good enough? I'm not sure whether undertaking a potentially life-threatening abdominal surgery and a general anesthetic for aesthetic reasons is an example I wish to present to my two daughters. Please don't think I'm judging you negatively. I genuinely feel torn on the subject, as I know some people's mental health is affected by the way they see their bodies, so I'm genuinely interested to hear your views. I have enjoyed your 21-day manifesting challenge and have read your book, Dear Universe, um, with interest. So I love this question. And the reason I wanted to take the time to answer it on this podcast is because it is something that I ran through my mind before I decided to have the surgery. I have three daughters and a Thomas, and it was really important to me that I set the powerful example that I wasn't having the surgery because there was something wrong with me. Now, the two little ones, they they didn't understand. They don't understand. They probably will in time and they'll ask me, hey, mommy, why did you do this? But they won't understand. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. They'll probably say, hey, mommy, why did you do this? Um, but my teenage daughter, Olivia, she's 14. Um, I really wanted to lead by example and I wasn't modifying my body to be aesthetically pleasing. That wasn't, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in weighing myself on a scale. I'm interested in my strength. And I felt impaired. I really did. I felt like um, there was something that I could do to strengthen and tune my core that hundreds, millions of sit-ups could not achieve. And I I had tried everything. I had tried Pilates. I had tried yoga. I had tried, oh my God, I'd even had one of those abtronic um, devices that you strap to your abdomen and it shocks you and you tense your muscles. I tried that years ago. And nothing worked. I tried everything. And so this was a way of me um, resetting myself from a foundational level. And that's how I wanted to present it. If I had a different procedure, like a boob job or something else, I don't know precisely how I would explain that. Um, In terms of my intention for my girls, I always want to lead by example. I don't want them to ever feel like I'm self-conscious. So I will gladly get in a swimsuit, a bathing suit and hop in the pool. I'm not going to ever let them hear me say, oh my God, I can't stand my thighs. They've got cellulite on them. Or, you know, oh, look at my scar. It's disgusting. I never, ever want my girls to hear me saying that I am less than ever. I don't want that for anyone's child. Because when I was five years old, my mom turned 30. And I remember sitting on a park bench. Um, We were living in London and she hoisted up her face and she had a cigarette in one hand and she hoisted up her cheeks and she's like, 
do you think I need a facelift? And I, I said, well, what's a facelift? You know, like I, I love my mom, but she, and not, but, uh, and she has always been preoccupied with her appearance. Um, this woman would does, and I'm not sure whether she still does it. I don't, I don't know, but she used to go to bed with her lipstick on. <laughs> uh, she was very much into appearances and making sure that she looked presentable, that she had her face on or doing her face that she said she would do every day. And that's fine. I'm just not like that. Um, because I know how that made me feel as a child. And the emphasis and the importance on exterior appearances needs to be taken away, especially from little girls where they're not judging their worth based on their appearance. And this is something I'm so passionate about. This is something I'm writing about actually in my upcoming book. I can't tell you more information other than that, but there will be a big announcement in the next few months. Um, And I'm really enjoying writing out this process because it's a way of me being able to be of service on a different level and layer than just speaking about spirituality and manifestation, because that's implied, that's already woven into the fabric of the experience, that we lead by example for our children. We lead with love. I mean, one could argue that um, my children might hold some kind of resentment towards me because I'm an entrepreneur or I choose to focus my time and efforts and energy on growing my business, um, my company, Soul Space Media. But what I would like them to know when they're adults, when they can see me as a human being eventually, right? I've only got one adult child right now. I've got three more to go. When they can see me as a human being that has needs, wants, and desires, and they can support me no matter what my choices are, it levels the playing field. My role and responsibility is to make sure that they make good choices from a space of self-compassion, of empathy, of weighing up all of the options, of feeling like they're supported no matter what. And I feel like, well, to answer this Instagram question, that yes, we should learn to love our bodies as they are. And we are allowed to change them if we want to. The freedom and the beauty is of choice. And also with that, no matter what you choose to do is radical self-acceptance and radical self-responsibility. So in summary, a year down the track after this life-changing operation, would I do it again? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Would I recommend it for others? Nope, because you have to decide. This is your journey, your adventure. Everybody gets different results, has a different experience, and ultimately heals in their own time and their own space. And this is the power of manifestation, that if you choose to transform something in your life, you have to be prepared to um, manage and cope with what my mentor, Scott DeMolin, calls the seven dynamics of change, that things get really scary the closer you get to making a change and building those levels of transformation into your life. But you can do it. And this is where you are reminded on a daily basis, if you choose, that you get to guide your energy and guide your emotions, which is the basis of my teachings. And if you are new around here and you haven't yet gotten yourself a copy of my latest book, which is called Dear Universe, you can go you can go to Amazon or anywhere you can buy books and ask for a copy. I have loved spending this time with you today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm always honored to have this time with you. And if you would be so kind as to leave me a review, that would mean the world to me. I love reading them. There's been some incredible ones lately. Um, and I'm just so grateful to have connected with you on this journey. So lots of love, lots of joy, and I'll speak with you soon. Bye for now. 
Thank you so much for being here for yet another episode of Journey to Manifesting. If you would be so kind as to share this show with your friends, with your family, your loved ones, and please rate and review on the podcasting platform you are currently listening to. All right, lots of love. And until next time, enjoy your journey to manifesting. <laughs>